faith seeks to please God, but your worship will cause God to seek to please you. And now for learning how to walk out your faith. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. So good to see your beautiful faces once again. We glorify God and honoring the angel of this house in his absence, Pastor Nathaniel, and we honor the men of God, co-laborers of this vineyard, amen. Pastor Charles and Pastor James and everyone in their respective places. Again, so good to be in your presence again. I just want to, for a few moments, just build upon those words that God is about to do something big. Hallelujah. We're expecting great things. Amen. With that being said, let's talk from this thought. And this is a message the Lord gave me quite some time ago, and I'm just going to share this a little bit because I don't want you to be confused and think that I have any inspiration from the viral sensation that's taking place right now, and it's kind of... Um, shooken up the body of Christ, but so I kind of changed the name of it because I didn't, I didn't want you to think I was drawing inspiration from what's taking place. The original title of this message God gave me, and he spoke to me even before everything that transpired over the internet years ago, but he spoke to me and said, this will be a very revelatory, relevant, and rhema word for this occasion. The original title was Learning How to Walk It Out. But I'm going to change that and say, learning how to walk out your faith. (laughs) This is the word God gave me years ago. I don't want no confusion. I'm not drawing inspiration from hallelujah, no sensationalism of what's going on. No, 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 no. I've been preaching this for quite some time now. Learning how to walk out your faith. Mark 9 takes up the story of Jairus, who had a daughter who was sick unto death, who came to the Lord as the Lord was getting off the boat, and amen. So I'm going to be reading Mark 5, verses 21 through 24. We'll drop down to 35 through 48. Amen. NIV version, when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. The preceding verses from here on down to 34 deals with the woman with the issue of blood. Everyone is familiar with that story, amen. And she received her healing by enacting her faith. The story picks up in verse 35. After Jesus finished talking to the woman, someone came from Jairus' house and gave further news. And verse 35 says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, uh, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing them, what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just 
believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him, and he put them all out, and he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was, namely Peter, James, and John. He took her by the hand and said unto her, Talitha which means, little girl, I say unto thee, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to talk and walk around, and she was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. She gave strict orders not to let anyone know about it and told them to give her something to eat. Learning how to walk out your faith. Learning how to walk out your faith. I thought it would be expedient to stay with faith. I ministered faith unto you the first time I was before you. I just feel in my spirit to stay there, especially with this climate that we're in right now in our society and with the body of Christ. We need faith more than ever. Jesus just crossed over the Sea of Galilee, the lake, and what the scriptures describes it here. Entering to Capernaum, which was his ministry headquarters, come to be that Jesus did printed miracles in Capernaum. Capernaum was in Galilee. It seemed like Galilee would be like Georgia, the state. Capernaum would be like Atlanta, a city, one of the main cities, if not the main city in Galilee. And this is what Jesus set up shop. This is why this became his ministry headquarters. Here is what Jesus performed many miracles, healing Peter's mother-in-law and so forth. He called Peter from here. He called Andrew and other disciples from here. Capernaum is where the men tore off the roof and tore into the presence of God and let down the man that was paralyzed, and Jesus healed him. He was saved that day. So Capernaum is a major place. It's a major area for God's miracles, Jesus' ministry, his miracles. So as soon as he steps off the boat, steps off the sea, coming from the sea, he walks right into the mix of a sea of needs, concerns, situations, circumstances. Because the Bible says that the people were expecting him. Good God Almighty. They were waiting on him. What, what were they waiting on him for? They was waiting on him to do what he did when the last time they saw him. And we know that he came to heal and set men free and to deliver, hallelujah, and work the works of the Father. Amen. But we see that the story shows that one, a ruler of the synagogue, one who was in charge of the synagogue's worship, attending to the synagogue, and we understand that these synagogues throughout Israel and Jerusalem were like churches, amen. And in Israel, the principal church, the temple, amen, was the principal church, but throughout the region, throughout the country, throughout the nation, you had churches like we have today, synagogues set up. And Jairus was a ruler, he was a leader of a particular church. He understood worship. He understood ministry. And the Bible says that in the mix of all of these situations, all of these circumstances, everybody got issues. Everybody got something going on. Because the truth of the matter, we all wrestle or contend with a common enemy, namely the devil. And that wrestle comes not but to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And all of us is subjected to death, death, and destruction. 
If he ain't trying to steal your material possessions, he's trying to steal your health, steal your joy. If he can't kill you, he'll do his best to kill your dreams, to kill your desire, your zeal, and your zest for life, to be successful in life. He come not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He specializes in the destruction of relationships and camaraderie and fellowship. So we all dealing with a common enemy, but in the midst of all of that, Everybody got needs. Everybody got circumstances and situations they're dealing with. And here's another thing. Every one of us, every born-again believer has been given a measure of faith. That's what Paul says, Romans 12 and 3. So in the midst of all of these needs, in the midst of all of this concern, in the midst of all of these circumstances, yet God tends to one individual. Why is that? What's so special about Jair is that he was able to get the Lord's attention when everybody got a situation going on. It ain't like he was the only one to have faith because the Bible said they were expecting him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It also, we can understand that to be translated, it is the certainty of things that we expect because to hope for something means to expect. And it's the proof of what's not being seen. So they was expecting God, the Lord, to do what he did when the last time they saw him. Good God Almighty. But here it is. One individual grasped his attention, captivated him, and let the Lord begin to walk with him. What was so special about Jairus? Let me begin to open this up and deal with this. Let me say this. Faith compels God to respond to you. Because God cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his faith, good God Almighty. So your faith compels God to respond to you. And all of you have been given a measure of faith, all of us. But here it is, everybody in hallelujah, is not getting a move of God. Every born-again believer has faith, but every born-again believer is not getting a move of God in their life. Why is that? Can I tell you, can I tell you what separated Jairus from the others, and we see it in the scripture, it was his posture, his posture of worship. Good God, I'm out of here. The Bible says that he fell at his feet. Y'all see that? The last time I was before you, I talked about adding unto your faith. First Peter 1, 5 through 8, virtue, knowledge, and all of these things. He added worship. See, without faith, it is impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is and what he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Y'all see that? So your faith seeks to please God, but your worship will cause God to seek to please you because he seeketh such to worship him. Here it is, the man Jairus fell at his feet. Good God Almighty pleaded with him and the Lord tended to his situation. Y'all see that? So it may not be a matter that you don't have faith, you just need to incorporate worship. Hallelujah. Because worship will prioritize your situation in the mind of God. Because everybody got faith. Everybody got issues and needs and concerns. But everybody ain't worshiping him. So your faith seeks to please God. But your worship will cause God to seek to please you. Again, it's because he seeks such to worship him. You all see that? So worship is a sanctifier. And we understand that sanctification means to be set apart. Good God. Worship will set you apart from the crowd. Hmm. Y'all see that? 
Worship with everybody can praise God. We be going through changes about when secular people perform or do Christian songs or whatnot, and you know, it'd be all kind of um, rhetoric and conversation about it. And listen, anybody can praise God, but good God Almighty, but everybody can't worship Him. Worship is to sanctify, worship sets you apart. Good God Almighty. Y'all see that? So worship will prioritize your situation in the mind of God. It'll separate you. It'll put you ahead of the crowd. Y'all see that? Isn't it amazing that out of all that we go through in life, and we go through some things, family issues, financial issues, trouble on the job, whatever the case may be, in the mix of all of that you go through, yet it is mind-boggling that God requires that we allocate, set apart time, good God Almighty, for us to throw up our hands and say, yes, Lord, I thank you. All that you're going through, yet he still requires worship. Y'all see that? So Jairus, Jairus has grasped the Lord's attention. Now the Lord's walking with him. Y'all see that? But let me say this, because we got to clear up some things here because Oftentimes we think that worship is just what we do or what we just finished doing. Enter into the sanctuary, lifting up our hands as a corporate man, singing praises unto God. And that is true. But worship is not just that, hallelujah. More importantly, worship is what Paul says in Romans 12 and 1, hallelujah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the way, mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what we know, which is our reasonable service. That those were reasonable service, when you do the translation and the root word, good God Almighty, it comes to understand reasonable. Also, it's translated worship, hallelujah. So what he's saying, let me find that here. What he's saying is when this is your reasonable service, he's saying this is your act of worship, good God Almighty. So worship is not just, and I'll get the translation here, worship is not just the fruit of your lips and extolling praise and glory unto God, but worship is also a dedicated lifestyle. You see that? I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I'm just speaking the word in general, good God Almighty. But the problem may not be the fact that you don't have no faith. The problem may not be the fact that you're not in the sanctuary with your hands lifted, but the problem may be your lifestyle. That's why God ain't moving, good God Almighty. Things are not manifesting. Y'all see that? See, God is commendable that we're still in the house when everybody has fallen away in the pandemic. Good God Almighty. The pandemic was a sanctified, hallelujah. And we go through changes about it, but really, I look at it as the Bible fulfilling itself. And in the essence, in the way, the wheat are being separated from the tail. You really know who's who. Good God, for those who are being faithful, hallelujah. So you're faithful. You're in the house, hallelujah. But yet, at the same time, you want your faith to be manifested, hallelujah. So it's not only that you need to be in the house with your hands lifted, but your life need to line up with his will. Your life need to line up with his word, good God Almighty. And when that happens, God will prioritize your circumstance your need, because worship prioritizes, hallelujah, your circumstance in the mind of God. You all see that? 
You all look that up, Romans 12 and 3, your reasonable service, and you'll come discover words, the worship and all that, your act of worship, your lifestyle, your livelihood. You'll come to understand that. So again, faith compels God to respond to you, but your worship will prioritize your situation in the mind of God. And here it is, see, everybody's fascinated with Jesus. Everybody's fascinated with Jesus. You turn on the internet, whether they're arguing for or against or whatever the case may be, it's about, they're fascinated about Jesus. What he's doing, who he's doing it with, who is he talking to, who is he talking through, who is he using, who is he blessing, good God Almighty. Y'all see that? And when you can cause God, hallelujah, to respond to you, now your walk, hallelujah, is on display. Because again, everybody fascinated with God. Everybody want to see who he's working in, who he's talking to and through, good God Almighty. And when you can cause God to respond to you, now, hallelujah, your walk with God is on public display. Good God Almighty. Y'all see that? So now they're walking with Jesus. The crowds are following Jesus and Jairus to Jairus' house to see about his situation. Good God Almighty. Y'all see that? Your walk now becomes, in essence, a teacher. Well, unbeknownst to you, good God Almighty, you become a teacher. And what God does is when he blesses us and when we're able to cause God to respond to us in faith, our life and our walk with God now becomes a teacher unto the crowd on how to get God to move in their life. Y'all see that? Now God uses you to be an example because God wants everybody to be blessed. He wants to do great things in everyone's life. Good God Almighty. Y'all see that? But it's keys and principles into how to get God to move in your life. You see that? And so now Jairus' walk with God is on public display. The crowds are following to see what's going to happen. People are watching you to see what's going to happen. Is God going to do it? Good God Almighty. Is he going to bless you, hallelujah, like you say he is? They are watching you. Good God Almighty. And all you got to do is let the Lord order your steps for it, because the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. All you got to do is keep walking in faith. Let's go on a little bit and open this up. Now, the Bible says, you know, Jairus had a 12-year-old daughter, you know, and she was sick unto death, and that was his case. That was his faith. He pleaded to the Lord. The Bible says that while they were on their way, a woman came into the press, touched the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. Now, how did this happen when you got the crowds putting their hands on him? Everybody touching on him. Everybody got issues. You see that? So what was so special about her? Again, her posture. Good God Almighty. Notice her faith didn't lead her to touch him on the shoulder. Good God Almighty or to touch him on his back. But it led her to touch the hem of his garment. Her posture, her position, good God Almighty. On two occasions, good God Almighty, we're gonna, we see that it was their posture of worship. It's what caused their faith, hallelujah, to put them in front of the line. Good God Almighty here. I'm trying to get you in front of the line. I know you got issues. God knows that you have issues, good God Almighty, and you want a resolution, hallelujah, but I'm trying to show you how to get in front of the line. It's your posture. 
You got faith. Yeah, you believe you say you're going to heaven. But we're trying to open up heaven on earth for you, good God Almighty. Your posture, your posture. So she was able to jump in front of the line. So Jesus is walking with Jairus. Jairus' life is on public display. He's walking with the Lord. Then something happens. You don't see that? He's already in a turn in life. His daughter is 12 years old. In their Jewish customs, that is the point in life where the child is embarking upon adulthood. So he's already in a turn with a 12-year-old daughter. Then the daughter turns sick and almost unto death. Now he's in a rough turn. Y'all see that? He activate his faith and get God to move. Now God is walking on his behalf, walking with him, and then he gets further news. Hallelujah. So you can be walking with God in faith, and things still go wrong in your life. The devil is a lie. Don't let me have people think you in sin or you doing something wrong because things are going wrong. No, no, no. It's called life. You all see that? He walking with the Lord, and yet things still got worse. So things can get worse while you're walking with the Lord. But when Jesus heard the news, he disregarded the news. He said, listen, you just believe. Y'all see that? Anybody know how to drive a manual, manual stick shift? Y'all know how to drive a manual stick? I don't know how to drive a manual stick. God gave me this revelation, but y'all, who know how to drive a motorcycle? You know, I drive a bike, you know, I drive a manual, amen. Well, you know when it comes to a manual that when you get into a turn, or you, you got to slow down and downshift. You know that, right? Why? Because you may wreck, hallelujah. You got to slow down with a manual, hallelujah. So you got to downshift, hallelujah. But how I many when it comes to a walk with God, especially, you know, with the old folks say, let Jesus take the wheel. When you come to a turn, and especially a rough turn, you can't downshift because you might shipwreck. You got to upshift in your faith. Hallelujah. You got to go up. Hallelujah. You got to turn it up a little bit higher. Good God Almighty. The Bible says what? We go from faith to faith. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, listen, don't worry about that. Only believe. You don't see that? Upshift in your faith, good God Almighty. And see, the problem is that in the church right now, we're in a rough turn. And so many have downshifted. That's why they're not here right now. They're downshifted, hallelujah. The church now has conformed to society and the world. And the ways of the world, hallelujah. Downshifting in faith. You all see that? And many have shipwrecked their faith, calling into question the very gospel that saved them. All because we got into a rough turn yes. in society, yes. in life. Y'all see that? Yes. And God says, my ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts. So when you, hallelujah, when you downshift in the natural, hallelujah, to get to your destination, but when you're walking with God, you got to upshift, hallelujah, to get to your destination. You got to go up in faith. You got to turn it up a notch. Hallelujah. So when the devil is running amok, hallelujah, when trouble hits your life, you got to go up in faith. Don't turn it down. You got to turn up. Hallelujah. Turn up in faith. Up shift in the rough turns. You all see that? The Bible says that the Lord suffered no one to go further at this juncture. 
said Peter, James, and John. You don't see that? Why is that? Don't fully know, but I will tell you this. When you're in a place in your life where you've never been before and your faith is trying to take you there, sometimes God will have to remove people out of your life. Hallelujah. Separate you from the crowds and put people in your life who's been where you're trying to go. Y'all see that? See, Peter, James, and John already seen Jesus raise the dead. Just a few chapters prior in another gospel, the Bible said that they was in the city of Nain. And the Bible said that Jesus stopped the funeral procession. Good God Almighty. They were carrying the body out. And the Bible said that the Lord raised them up. So Peter, James, and John had been where Jairus is trying to go. They seen God raise the dead. They seen them. God will put people in your path that have been where you're trying to go to get you to your destination. Y'all see that? And here it is that Jairus is in the city of Capernaum. Capernaum means the village of Nahum. Nahum means comfort. Isn't it amazing that Jesus had to put out his family members and friends because he couldn't find any comfort amongst them. Sometimes God will have to separate you from your family. Pull you away from your friends to get you to that place. It may be but for a moment. I remember when the Lord saved me, amen, over 20 some odd years ago. He had to pull me away from my family. Separate me. And strengthen me in the word, strengthen me in the gospel. Now I can go back around them, hallelujah, and represent Christ. You all follow me? God will have to sometimes separate you from even family to get you to that place of destiny, that place of promise, that place of blessing. And it's God's desire for you to arrive there. You see that? He couldn't find any comfort amongst his family. They laughed at his situation. No faith, unbelief. You all see that? Good God Almighty here. Get ready to move to a close. I see we've got a few minutes there. See if I can develop a little bit more thought here. So he had to separate Jairus from his loved ones, put people in his path that have been where he's trying to go. And see, that's the thing with a walk of God, we need a walk of faith. You got to have people that have been where you're trying to go to have that experience. Amen. So you got the second point. You have to upshift in the rough turns of life. That's verse 35 through 36. You got to upshift in the rough turns of life. You cannot downshift because if you do, you'll shipwreck your faith. You'll shipwreck your faith. You have to upshift in the rough turn. Listen, the Lord went on and said he raised the daughter up. Come in and said, in essence, Dapsal, I say to you, arise. And the Bible says that they were all in amazement. They were blown away. We just got through singing about God about to do something big, good God Almighty. We're expecting great things. You follow me? And the Bible said that he left them in amazement. Good God. How many know that we serve an amazing God? The old folks, you talk about his amazing grace. Good God Almighty. Y'all see that? Listen, listen, listen. He said unto them, give her something to eat. You all see that in verse, verses there. That's verse 43. After 42, he said they were amazed at what the Lord did. But he went on to say, give her something to eat. 
In other words, he's saying, nurture your faith. Y'all see that? Feed your miracle. You got to nurture your faith. You got to feed. What are you saying, preacher? What the Bible says, good God Almighty, when Abraham, hallelujah, was ready to offer up his son, good God Almighty, the Bible said that the Lord called out from the bush and said, hold up, Abraham, good God Almighty. Don't slay your son. There's a ram in the thicket. Y'all see that? And so God provided a sacrifice for Abraham. Abraham immediately began to feed his miracle and began to nurture that faith. The Bible said that he set up a monument, a mark, to remind him that this is the place that God provided. Good God Almighty. So whenever he get into another situation where his faith, he needs to be reminded of the power of God and what God can do. Y'all see that? It served as a monument in his mind, good God Almighty. He feeds his miracle, good God Almighty, with the fruit of his lips. So whenever you're going through a rough turn in life, all you got to do is look back in the rearview mirror and see where God has brought you from. See where he's brought you over, good God Almighty. And hallelujah. You all see that? Nurture, nurture, to bring up, to care for, to provide, to take care of, to nourish, to feed. Y'all see that? You have to learn how to feed your faith. Remind yourself of what God has done. Because if he did it before, what? He'll do it again. Because he's the same God today, yesterday, and what forever more. Hallelujah. He's the same God. Hallelujah. They walked on the water. The same God that fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and had left over. He the same God. Good God of my that raised the dead. The same God. Hallelujah. He's working in your life. Desiring it to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. To bring it out of your mind into reality. To bring, hallelujah. To bring it out of the spirit realm into reality. Well, you can touch it and taste it, good God Almighty. I told you last time, it's about time for us to drive it now. Hallelujah. We've been driving it in our minds long enough. Hallelujah. You've been putting it on in your mind long enough. It's time to feel it. Hallelujah. Now, good God Almighty. But it requires faith. And not only that, a little bit more. It requires a posture of worship. Yes, with your hands lifted. Like David said, I have searched for you in the sanctuary. David was a worshiper. He was a man of faith. Hallelujah. But not only that, his lifestyle worshiped God. Hallelujah. Psalm 63 is what I'm talking from. Good God Almighty. So your faith requires a posture of worship as well. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm closing right here. The God, he's waiting to blow your mind. Amazement, astonishment lies at the end of this journey. So whatever you're going through, all you got to do is hallelujah. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't shipwreck your faith. Hallelujah. God is ready to blow your mind. Hallelujah. But all you got to do is learn how to worship him. Learn how to lift up your hands in the midst of what you're going through. Hallelujah. And tell God, God, I thank you. God, I love you. God, I bless you in that house. Hallelujah. And God will get you to that place of where he can blow your mind. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to blow your mind. Hallelujah. God, God, God.
God, God, God loves to blow our minds. Because he loves you. He cares for you. That's why he said, cast all your cares upon me. I care about you. I love you. I wanted you to get to that place of destiny, that place of promise. But you got to learn how to walk it out by faith. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was the message titled, Learning How to Walk Out Your Faith, by Michael Holloway. This message is number 6638. That's 6638. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 6638 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. From brothers of the word.